Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to the How to Hunt Turkeys podcast. I'm Paul Campbell. Join me as we dive into the world of turkey hunting. Every episode, we'll explore the minds of the finest turkey hunters around. We'll take a look at the people, the places, the tactics, gear, and the culture that creates the mystique around America's favorite bird. That's right. I said it. America's favorite bird, the wild turkey. Throw on your turkey vest, grab your box call, let's talk some turkey. How to Hunt Turkeys podcast is brought to you by Go Wild. Visit timetogowild.com or download the app on iOS or Android. Go Wild has all the gear the wild turkey hunter needs. Camo clothes, hats, vests, turkey calls, decoys, and everything else. Sign up for a free account today and get $10 off your first order. Timetogowild.com. Wicked North Gear, delivering the very best gear for a life well lived in the great outdoors. From field kits and DIY tax derby solutions to hats, hoodies, stickers, and more, visit wickednorthgear.com. Welcome to another episode of the How to Hunt Turkeys podcast. I am your host, Paul Campbell. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I am back home from my Florida trip. I'm still a little under the weather. I was feeling a little scratchy last week. It's uh, Voice is still, still a little rough, but man, I am on the board. First Osceola turkey ever. First turkey of the 2023 season. So, I, man, I'm pumped up. I hope you guys are too. So, I've really enjoyed communicating with, uh, with everyone on Go Wild and Instagram. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thanks to our sponsors of the show, turkeyseason.com project uh, that I've started. And I, I've got, man, I got a ton of good content coming there. We're updating some some neat stuff. Uh, one episode that, uh, that that's coming up that you're really going to like if you're into running the mouth call. I've got a guy, James Moffitt, a really good mouth caller, really good guy. Uh, did a really cool tutorial with some of the mouth calls that are available for turkeyseason.com. So check that out. That should be up uh here at the end of the week first part of next week so thanks so much uh for the guys that have gotten on there and ordered stuff man you guys were great really appreciate you let me know how you like your hats your calls all the stuff you guys got thank you so much turkey kill kits from from wicked north those are flying off the shelf thank you guys uh listen go wild time to go wild.com before we talk about it on this show on my o2 podcast with andrew Muntz. Uh, really neat social social community. They got a ton of stuff for the turkey hunter. If you can't find it, uh, they probably don't make it. Uh, so check them out. Download the app on Go Wild, uh, or excuse me, on Apple or Android. Uh, find me on there. Just search Paul Campbell. Uh, man, love to talk to you guys. Thanks so much for communicating with me, those that you are doing. I've put some really neat videos up on my uh, Instagram and Go Wild, and, and actually have a TikTok. TikTok is paul.turkeyseason. If you want to check that out, some, some really cool uh, clips from my Florida hunts down there. So give those a chance. So today's episode, we've got uh, an old school turkey hunter, Alex Rutledge from uh, Missouri. Alex is, man, one of the smartest woodsmen, turkey hunters that you're going to come across in the turkey woods. So this is a great episode. Uh Alex lives uh, in a small town in Missouri. I think we had some internet issues uh, on on both of our ends, so there there's some there's some editing to this. There's just some some weird moments uh, in this podcast uh, that that you can get through. The information is really good. Alex is just he's he's one of the best, uh, really entertaining guy. The way that he tells the stories, he does a lot of mouth calling, which was pretty neat. So check this out. You're gonna love this episode turkeyseason.com check that out uh guys really appreciate all of uh, all your support for this show for turkey season uh thanks so much keep tagging me in your pictures uh and and, and sending me questions i'm here to help i'm here to make you a better turkey thanks, guys. it was it's a neat it's a neat hat. i'll absolutely do that so all right 
She's ready, man. Tuned, tuned up, ready, tuned. ready to go. So we were, we were at, uh, <laughs> we were at AT, we were at ATA, and you were right next to to the Timber Ninja booth. And J- Jason Red's a buddy of mine, uh, and and just a really good dude. And I I wanted to stop and talk, and you had people lined up, man, which was pretty pretty neat for the Buck Grits booth there. Mm-hmm. And again, wise eye camera stuff there too. Yeah. And, and I, I, I was like eavesdropping, you were talking to someone and one of my, like this, the sounds of spring that, and it's not a turkey gobble, but it's a whippoorwill <laughs> and you ripped that off. And I was just like, ah, mm-hmm. and, and he like walked him through the, you know, through the whippoorwill. It was, that was cool, man. I, I just, I, I, my buddy was with me. He's not a big turkey hunter. I'm like, dude, look at this, this is Alex Rutledge at his finest. And he's like, who, who's Alex Rutledge? I'm like, come on man you freaking deer hunters like <laughs> get out of the turkey woods so no that that was yeah that was fun yeah that's how i won the grand nationals i i i won the national gobbling championships in 1988 and actually done a rendition of a spring morning in the ozarks and i can do it for you if you like a hundred percent yeah let's <clears throat> let's save that one till to the end of it for sure because if you do that, I'm, it might just derail me, and I might not have anything left for, okay. for the rest of this. So it's the shortest podcast ever. But um, now, one of the one of the things that that that, that I like about turkey hunting is kind of, and you and I have talked about this is is the culture that surrounds turkey hunting, and 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 you've captured that American roots, and and, and turkey hunting is very much it's 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 a it's emotion, it's heart and soul, it's passion. It's, it's just woven into, into who a lot of us are as, as turkey hunters. And I think that, that you understand that and you can speak to that better than anyone. Cause I've heard you, I've heard you do it. So like just a really easy question that I like to ask, what, what's it, what's turkey hunting mean to you? Turkey hunting. What does it mean to me? It means many things, uh, Paul. Uh, it's God's creation. And uh, I'm just going to speak from my heart. Uh, When God created the wild turkey, it's like he never created anything else like it. There's things that's similar, but nothing just like a wild turkey gobbler. You know, Uh, I grew up uh, with a dad, my dad and my four other brothers. There's 10 kids in my family uh, five boys, five girls tell me my mom and dad didn't know what they were doing <laughs> when they had us. But uh, yeah. I grew up, I grew up following and watching my father and my brothers uh, turkey hunt. You know, I can remember being three, four years old, five years old uh, when my brothers had the old Penswoods diaphragm calls. And they was big as a horseshoe. I mean, they was huge. <laughs> and they would take that same call because you couldn't find them anywhere. And they would rebuild that call every every two weeks or every year. And they would also uh, cut aluminum cans and make frames with scissors to make their own diaphragms. And that was back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. But growing up on a farm, Paul, I uh, also learned to uh, mimic animal sounds, and uh, I learned to imitate turkey sounds with my voice as a, at a very young age because, you know, we didn't have a lot of things to entertain ourselves. Uh, we didn't have a, a, a internet. We didn't have – we had a TV that you had to get up and walk up and turn the channels and go outside and turn the antenna to get a station. So – I remember as a kid watching the Beatles and Elvis, you know, I wanted to be like Elvis. I got to share this story real quick because it's funny. My dad was a World War II veteran and uh, him being an old country boy, uh, born and raised in the Ozarks of Missouri, him having four other brothers. And uh, in my country, when he was growing up, he was the veterinarian for everybody. He wasn't a licensed veterinarian, but he took care of everybody's horses or cattle, pulling calves or or uh, cutting a stud horse. 
and, and growing up in that atmosphere, uh, but my dad and brother instilled turkey calling in me. So uh, my dad, one time I was talking about Elvis Presley and the Beatles. And uh, I remember as a kid, and I, I was like five years old, and he cut all this boy's hair. Uh, he, he could cut hair. He had a pair of shears. And I said, Dad, I'll never forget it. You're going to love it. I said, Dad, I want a haircut like Elvis Presley. He said, Okay. Get up here, son. So I, I remember I was in the living room, uh, not living room, but in the kitchen in the chair, and they put something under me to set me up so he could reach me. And he went to cut my hair and buzz. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have that cool swoop like Elvis had, you know. And I'm going to be cool at five years old. And I never will never forget when we got done, he showed me my haircut. And I had a flat top, a GI haircut. I said, Dad, <laughs> I said, Dad, this ain't no Elvis haircut. He goes, oh, yes, it is, son. I said, no, it ain't, Dad. He goes, yes, it is. He goes, this is Elvis when he was in the Army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got to even so, be sharp around him, right? Yeah. But anyway, he, he cut all this boy's hair short like that, but – but getting to where I want to go with this, uh, growing up in an atmosphere like that and uh, watching my brothers get up in the early morning hours and uh, leaving and going turkey hunting and me getting left behind and me yelling and kicking and screaming, wanting to go. And they, they wouldn't take me until I was, you know, six or seven years old, eight years old. And I'll never forget my brother Roy that would take me. Man, he was stern. If you popped a limb going to a gobbler, gobbling on the limb, or I mean, he would swat you, you know. <laughs> I said, be quiet, what, you know. And I'll never forget that. And he instilled that in me to be a very savvy, quiet, uh, stealthy hunter. And uh, my older brother, I'll never forget that. The first time I ever heard a turkey gobble, uh, I was like four years old and we was down close to the river. And I've shared this story at seminars. And, uh, the neighbor had peacocks, and I never seen a peacock in my life. And a peacock goes, ah, 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 ah. and the river there is a, a tourist attraction. And the Boy Scouts would come from different big cities like Kansas City, St. Louis, come in and do these camps uh, during the spring. And, and I thought, I heard that where it's in the evening we're going out to roost. Now I'll never forget we was an old international scout, about a 64, 65 model, uh, single cab pickup truck. He gets out smoking his sellers, Salem cigarettes, and it's evening time, and he's drinking a ham's beer, and uh, he goes, We're gonna lose to Turkey. And I thought, okay. Then all of a sudden I heard that My eyes got big as silver dollars, and I looked at Larry, and he looked at me, and all of a sudden I heard, <laughs> and that was my first wild turkey I ever heard in my life. And at that time, and he looked at me, he just grinned. I'll never forget him grinning at me, you know. And, and that minute, I heard that, and I heard that peacock again go. Ah, ah. I said, Larry, I said I heard that turkey, but what about those? Those Cub Scouts, those Boy Scouts, they sound like they're drowning down there. <laughs> he goes, son, they make Boy Scouts. That's a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> but that old peacock made the turkeys gobble. So what does it mean to me? Uh, turkey hunting is, is the roots of it, man. You know, it was, it was passed down to me through my dad and my brothers and instilled in me. And it's God's creation when gobble time gets here. I've already been getting up in the mornings at 530 uh, and driving down the road listening for turkeys. And by the way, I have heard some turkeys gobble. They only gobble one or two times. They're still in that pecking order phase and their dominance gobbling right now. And, and we'll talk about that uh, throughout the show here. But there's something about the wild turkey gobble and being able to outsmart him and call him in it. As a kid growing up, I was taught to call turkeys without decoys and how to talk to a turkey. You just don't call to him. You talk to him. And you, you, you he actually controls you. So it's like playing uh, chess in a sense. Uh, he dictates to me, the way I was taught, 
how you call to him, how you communicate with him to, to, to break that bridge so he'll communicate back with you. And what, what it is, he's actually gobbling <laughs> to attract hens, but we're reversing that as turkey hunters and mother nature. So we learn to get inside his head and make him sound like the sexiest hen in the woods. Uh, and she's a queen and come to our location, as we all know. But uh, we'll talk about that, too. But that's what I was taught. And I'd done something uh, year four last. I, had, I wanted to prove it to myself that I could still do it. We all know decoys is a huge, huge, intricate part of turkey hunting. And it made turkey hunting a lot easier for everybody. So uh, year before last, I set out a go and I self-filmed. And I shot two mature gobblers here in my home state of Missouri, both timber hunts, no blinds, no decoys, with the camera set between my legs, my shotgun over my leg, my right arm, my camera right here. And uh, I called two longbeards and killed them both without decoys and a 20 gauge shooting apex ammunition. So uh, nothing against it. decoys because they're cool. It's a great tool, but you know what? I still just had to prove it to myself. I could still call a turkey without a decoy. So I, I want to challenge anybody that watches this. Uh, if you want, you want to see how good a turkey hunter you are, let's see you still call turkeys without decoys. Uh, I'm not saying don't go out and don't buy decoys. I'm just saying try it without decoys and see if it don't help tune you back in to communicating and talking to a turkey instead of counting on that turkey to get him excited enough to come into an open area to see the deal core and then come in. So that's a challenge for everybody. I challenge everybody to try it this year. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great point about there's, there's an aspect of woodsmanship that's been lost with a lot of new hunters. You know, people are looking for the easiest thing, decoys or reaping or whatever it may be. And I'm not bad mouthing anyone that wants to do that. If it's legal in your state, no. oh. knock yourself out. No. Man, that sounds good. Oh man! Hopefully your hopefully your wife doesn't get mad that you're turkey calling in the house. If I could gobble, I would gobble at that. I can't. So, uh, so I I I'm 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 insanely jealous of that. So there there you know, and there there are, there are two people in, in kind of my turkey hunting heritage that, that I've I, I just really appreciate and it's it's two freaking missouri guys it's you and ray i and it's from the beginning of my turkey hunting career 2007 and it's the storytelling that's something that i'm fascinated by and i'm so jealous that you guys will tell stories and you'll throw in a yelp with your mouth and you throw in a gobble and i'm i just listen to them and i just it just sucks me in man you and ray do, do such a good job telling those telling those stories so we had we had some internet issues. We're gonna we're gonna dive back into it, but there's there's yeah. something to be said about being, you know, where it's where it's it's you keep it between you and the bird, between you and the tom, and you keep all of these other things out of the woods, and it's just that it's that battle, that that intense battle that that man, if you haven't turkey hunted, and you when you when you first experience that, it's an amazing thing. And a lot of times, Alex, you walk out of the woods the same weight that you came into because the turkeys are going to win. But when you're fortunate enough to get it, man, that's just so awesome. And I like what you said about, you know, being, I want to see if you could do it. You know, I want to see if I could do it. I want to force my, you know, pressure, you know, challenge myself. And, and that's a beautiful thing. That battle between you and, 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 and a Tom, man, that's as good as it gets. It, it's all out war in a sense, if you think about it. Uh you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old now, and I remember I went through uh, phases, uh, transitions as I grew older. Last year, I never shot a turkey in the state of Missouri in my entire life and since I was 15 years old, and I've shot my limit year after year, you know. Uh, we just didn't have a lot of turkeys last year, you know. We had a decent hatch in several spots throughout our county here in Shannon County, but, you know, I'm a conservationist. You know, I was raised uh, uh, dirt floor poor financially, and we, we learned to live off the land. I mean, we eat what we killed, uh, squirrels, rabbits, deer, turkey. 
and uh, and, and what I'm about to say, I'm, I, I, you got, I say this so people can understand the culture and where I come from. Uh, in the 60s, uh, the Park Service come in here and uh, basically forced people to sell their land along the rivers. And it really left a bad taste in a lot of the locals' mouths in their hearts and their souls because their, their family farms uh, was sold whether they wanted to or not. So uh, park service and conservation to a lot of people, even to this day, because it's handed down through their roots is the guy in the green truck's a bad dude, you know? So uh, I've learned to understand uh, if it wasn't for the park service MDC, what would have happened to the resource? Uh, but I can also understand the other side of the family being upset. So it's a it's a tit for tat uh, situation. I know we're getting off subject here a little bit, but but it's still about the roots of hunting and understanding the cultures where I'm from. You have a better understanding from me. But it, it's it's good and bad in a sense. Uh, but I've learned to get along with with. Uh, the, you, the federal uh, park service and the, the G-men. Yeah. they're my friends you know they're yeah. my friends it it and definitely it's that that saying it takes a village uh is is it's it's very it, it applies to to wildlife management and that's the system that we have set up the north american model of wildlife conservation and you know just real quick i i hunted in 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 lbl land between the lakes last year yeah. in northern Tennessee, Southern Kentucky, very similar. Back in the 50s, the government came through and just offered you pennies on the dollar for your house. And if you said no, they, they, they'd kick you out. Yeah. And and it's it was the craziest thing. I was walking through the woods, just hunting turkeys, and you would see what you could tell was an old driveway. And you'd go up and there'd be just a, a cinder block or a stone foundation. And, and what was the crazy – and we're talking 50, 60, 70 years after this happened – you'd see the flowers that people had planted, the daffodils the Easter and, and, lilies. and the Easter lilies. Exactly. And these things are, you know, decades old and they're still there, you know, around the doorsteps. And you know, that the, the human side of that like breaks your heart because you know that that person didn't want to leave, you know, that's their home. And, and, and they were quite, quite honestly forced to, to leave and, and, and you feel bad. And I didn't want to go in. I, I didn't hunt any of those areas. I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing this. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. And I'll tell you the other thing, uh, and we're, we're, we're getting way off track, but this is a great story that I, I think it's a great story. That same area in LBL, there's, there's spots that you walk through and there were old civil, there were civil war battles all over Fort Donaldson was right down the road in Dover, Tennessee. So I, I kept seeing these little trenches that were dug out. I see them all over the place and they were the, the, the foxholes that the Confederate soldiers had dug and they would mound up. And, and they would have their, they would set their positions and those are still there. And once I realized what those were, the next time I came across one, I just stood there and I stared at it. I'm like, this is, this is history. I mean, this is American history and I'm standing right next to it. And you just kind of look and, and you try to imagine what those, you know, those young men went through, you know, during that time and, and seeing in that hole. And that's just, I'll never forget that, man. That, that, that week was just, it was very, it was very uh, impactful for me and it's all, related around the wild turkey which is also kind of neat so yeah what what a, what a great story you just shared and if you think about this and again we're not getting off the subject too much here but you know we wouldn't have our freedoms to hunt uh, the wild turkey uh, if it wasn't for people that was in those fox hoes no. you know in our country today and i'm not getting off on a tangent but we all need to take a thirty thousand foot perspective of our roots and really think while we're still here and while we have that right to turkey hunt. And we have the right to turkey hunt because of people dying for us that bled. And also uh, the NWTF, what they've done for the restoration programs of stocking wild turkeys in all states. You know, yeah. there's a lot of uh, uh, positive things that come out of our roots and yeah. things that we look back at. So uh, yeah. I'm very honored to say. I became an NWTF member, I believe, in 1980. Oh, wow. I'm 58, 58 years old, and I think I was 16 years old or 17 
when I became a member of the NWTF. And uh, yeah. I've met a lot of friends, and I've traveled uh, realistically over a million miles, probably traveling and doing seminars and promoting turkey hunting and deer hunting and elk hunting and everything. Yeah. Uh -huh. And, and, you know, one of the most shocking statistics that I've, that I've heard about turkey hunters in the NWTF that, that 10% of turkey hunters in this country, less than 10% are members of the NWTF. And so when you talk about conservation dollars at work, you know, organizations that are positively <laughs> impacting wild turkeys in the landscape, that that's definitely one of them. So, you know, I encourage people to join $35 a year. You've done a ton for the NWTF for, for decades and, and, and thank you for that. So, um, good, good, good plug there for, for the NWTF, man. I mean, I talk about it every day, you know? Um, yeah. so let's, let's talk about that battle with, with those turkeys. And one of the things that I like to do is unpack a hunt with, with, with really accomplished hunters like yourself and, and, and kind of, I think the best way to learn, and I've talked about on the show is storytelling and you just tell stories about, about, okay. about different hunts. And, and so I, I love the hunts that I get in and, you know, shoot a turkey off the roost, you know, you call and they fly down like that's, that's cool. But I love the ones where you're like, oh man, what do I do now? What is, where does this, where does this freaking bird want to be? what is he doing? What are these hens doing? Oh my gosh. And then, you know, you just, you just battle back and forth. And, and, and so I, I think for me, like when, when you get into that, 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 that morning setup and it doesn't go the way that you want and they walk off or, and sometimes it could be uh hen pressure or whatever, but they just the days where they just walk off and you're like, this is perfect. Like, why aren't you coming here? Why I, I, this is, I've laid this out. What do you do, man? Like what, what, when you're just like, it doesn't work out and you're sitting there in the morning, what do you do? You actually broke up on me there and you, you froze up on me. I don't know what happened there, but uh, yeah, the battle uh, of gobber. I, I can think of many gobbers that stick out in my mind, but uh, are you sure the battle, man? you know, that, that, that you've had, you know, with these wild, with these wild turkeys. And, you know, if there's, if there's a hunt that, that just stretches the limits of, of your skills, tell me about it. I'm sure you got a few. Uh, I can think of hundreds that, that, that stretch you to your limits. Uh, you know, I, I want to forget somebody saying one time, a pro hunter, I'm not going to reference who it was, but he said, all oh, turkeys are turkey. I disagree, Paul. Uh, turkeys are different just like you and me. We're different. We like different things. We act different. And, and turkeys act different. There is a lot of things common with turkeys that they do. But turkeys act different because of different pressures. Whether it's predators, uh, human pressure, uh, cattle in a field, or, or whatever it may be. And... Uh, I, I'm going to share a hunt with you. It's a funny hunt, but it was in Hammond, Louisiana, hunting with my buddy Wayne Hagen, and we was hunting the swamps. And we were set up in a cattle pasture, and we could not get to the swamps because we struck the turkeys late morning to get into the swamp. So I was taught to drag turkeys. We call it dragging. And that's calling to them at a great distance and getting inside their head and making them come. Uh, uh, half a mile, a quarter of a mile, uh, 300 yards. And it's all how you work the turkey. Uh, if I had one call to say it's my secret weapon to strike a turkey over any call, it would be my American Roots Outdoors tube call. That's what I strike turkeys with. Something about the frequency of the pitch. Anyway, this turkey, and it's a battle, okay? I get this turkey going late morning, uh, we slip up to the edge of this field, this field of young bull calves, and they're all, you know, six, 700-pound bull calves. And this turkey gobbles in the swamp. I hit him with a tube call. <laughs> he gobbles down that swamp. I start working him, man, and uh, he, he was slow to respond, you know. And finally, I, I hit the right frequency with him, and whatever I was doing, the cadence or whatever, 
turned him on. He started gobbling harder and harder. And I could tell he turned and he's gobbling towards me now. And this turkey's over a quarter of a mile away, 500 yards. And he's turning to me and gobbling now. So what I'm doing is I'm working him with, with, with uh, hen yelps and cutting. And I, he, he, I could tell he starts moving a little bit. Well, finally, uh, I get him worked up enough and I'm not over calling him because I'm, I'm getting inside his head a little bit at a time. Uh, once I get him to double gobble or cut me off, interrupt my call, I'd be quiet for a while. Then all of a sudden, I'd wait two or three minutes, and all of a sudden, he'd be another 25 yards closer. <laughs> so I knew I was controlling him then. So he's getting closer and closer to this field full of bull calves, 600-pound bull calves. He finally breaks into the field. Okay, and we got this all on video. He breaks to the edge of the field, and these bull calves, there's like 10 of them, run to him and run him out of the field. <laughs> they run him out of the field, so he runs back into the swamp, and I stay in the same position. I can't move because he can see across that field, and the edge of that field is 200 yards, you know, 250 yards. So we're setting up uh, no blinds, uh, no decoys. And uh, we're working this turkey. My cameraman was Danny Bark. I'll never forget it. And uh, I get him going again. I get him fired up. He breaks and he thinks, well, I'll go a little further around him. And we got this video, Paul. He goes and starts to go around. He starts running to go around him. And those bull calves chase him out again. They chased him out of the field four <laughs> times. Finally, the fourth time after him them running him off he run way around him and come up to the fence that we were set up on and run to me and i let him get in close like, oh my gosh this is unbelievable i'm holding off and holding off and i'm letting him get closer and closer and closer i squeezed the trigger he's like 25 yards and i missed him oh my gosh but that was a battle. That's one battle. I thought it was a funny battle, but I can think yeah. of other battles. Uh, hunting government land. I had a lot of government birds, and I'll never forget hunting a, a very famous lake. And there's lots of turkey hunters on it, and I'll never forget. This guy invited me to hunt with him. He goes, hey, Alex, come out and go with me. I've got several turkeys down. He said, okay, Tony, I'll go with you. I said, you go your way, I'll go my way. I said, just you go where you want, send me where you want. So anyway, we, we got turkeys gobbling. He says, all right, go down the ridge right there. The lake's not 400 yards down there. So we get in there. Oh! <laughs> he's gobbling, man. He's hot. And I, we're slipping there for daylight. We sit down about 100 yards of him. And all of a sudden, I hear. <laughs> I thought, oh, man. And the hens are between me and him. Then all of a sudden. Oh, man, I've got my work cut out for me. Then all of a sudden, I hear these boats running. And these boats come in on me. And uh, shut the turkey up almost. The boat comes in as I'm working him. I get him fired up again. And the hens fly down. They fly right in front of me. They're coming to me, man. You can hear him. You hear the rattle at the end of his goblin. I mean, he just got to pop over the hill. And I'm going to kill him. Then all of a sudden, I heard behind me. Oh, man. Then they all flew and scattered. And I seen there was four hens, uh, five hens in the gobbler. So they all flew. They all flew to the south, southeast. And it's a big old holler in the lakes over here. And they fly over to a ridge over there. And, and I've never been here for my life. I don't know where the roads are at. So Tony come in and messed me up too. The guy that took me in there. He thought he was going to do me a favor. <laughs> so anyway, he leaves and goes somewhere. I said, I'll just stay here. And, uh, I waited there a little bit, and this is this is where it teaches you something. Just because they've been spooked doesn't mean they're not going to gobble later on in the day. 
So I watched where they flew, and they flew, I don't know, over a quarter of a mile away on that ridge. So I started easing over that way after about 20 minutes of talking to Tony, and I, I didn't get on to him. I didn't argue. And all of a sudden, I'm easing over there. I jerked my tube call out and just a soft yelp. And I, I figure I'm probably, I don't know, 300 yards from where I thought they landed over there on that hillside. And, and all of a sudden, <laughs> he answered me again because he remembered that hen that was talking to him earlier that morning. They have a memory. I don't care who says they don't. They got a memory. Okay. Yeah. And they know their hen sounds. So I'm the new hen in town. So I thought, well, I got to get right with this turkey. So I ease up the ridge, keep the sun to my back. And I get up. I'm starting to go to him, getting right with him where he's on a flat spot. Then all of a sudden, I heard a rig come down the road, and there's a county road up there. They heard the turkey gobble. So I get, I get out of the car. <coughs> he gobbled to him. So they all start walking down. All of a sudden, they all flew again. Mm. And I'm sitting there, oh, my gosh. Then I realized only three turkeys flew off. Okay. So I used my head. I said, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to sit here, even though they scared me. They got back in the rig. You hear them slam the door, and they leave. And I sat there. If I'm lying to you, I'm dying right now. I sat there about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just patient, no calling that, and all of a sudden I hurt. I thought, ooh, that's one of them hens. And I got to thinking, there was three turkeys flew off, so there's two more hens here, and that gobbler may be here. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, I'm just going to soft putt back to him. This went, <laughs> he was right there with her, not 80 yards from where those guys scared her. I'm back. And I just soft yelped and called him in and, and closed the deal with him. He weighed over 25 pounds, had right at an inch and a half spurs, oh. an 11-inch beard. I'll never forget it. So, oh, man, that is having big. All, all these obstacles coming into play and messing me up, that was an all-out war with that turkey. You yeah. know? But what made it war was the people messing me up. Now, I can talk about another war of turkeys that's hinned up. I can touch on that. Yeah, uh, that's some of the toughest battles you ever get into when you got gobbled with a bunch of hens. You know, you hear the story all the time, Paul. Oh, talk to the hens, talk to the hens. Well, you got to talk to them all. You got to find the right hen that wants to respond or trigger her. But if you do the wrong thing, you'll get into a push situation where the hens will take them away. And that's where your woodsmanship comes in. You watch where they go, depending on the terrain you're hunting. And you go in that direction and you try to get around them, get inside their bubble. The bubble to me is within 75 yards of that comfort zone. And then you try to strike a conversation with those hens. But I can think of many. Uh, one that really sticks out in my mind is in Florida. My first Osceola, I was filming with Pat Reeve for uh, ESPN Tom Miranda. It's my first Osceola hunt, and I was using a slate call. That was an aluminum call. We struck this turkey late morning. Uh, it was actually middle of the day. We needed to go in for lunch and struck this turkey and, and he gobbled. And you know, uh, Osceola, they sound just like an Easter, but they don't gobble as loud. And I start working this turkey and we're set up in the Palmettas next to a clearing and a field. And I'll never forget it. Longino Ranch is the name of the place we was at. I'm working this gobbler and he's gobbling. He's, I can tell he's getting closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden, I look, here comes a hen. Here comes another hen. Here comes another hen. It was 13 hens with this gobbler, Paul. So they come out in front of me, no decoys. Again, this is calling ability to talking to them. So I got the hens. They got interested. They come, was yelping, coming. And they're getting closer and closer and closer. And they're 60, 70 yards, getting closer. And he's strutting behind them. And, and uh, Pat's filming it all, man. It's great for He's right next to a swamp. And, and finally, I made him break and leave the hens to get close enough to the shot. And what I was doing is I, I was just uh, squealing. 
Uh, have you ever heard the term squeal? I'm sure you have. I, you, you know, know I, 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 I have, but yeah, demonstrate this. Well, they squeal and, and they'll pit. And I've got turkeys. I raise turkeys every year. They'll pit and squeal. And it's something about communication. Uh, it's kind of like, in a sense, uh, that you could compare to, hey, uh, I, I mean business. Uh, then a hen that's being bred, we call that the, the breeding hen squeal. And it's like this. I'll do it with my lips. That's a call I use a lot of times on a hung up gobbler and I go to squealing like that. It'll make that gobbler think he's missing out on something and come in. I'll never forget a hunt with uh hunting in Tennessee. Uh, called two longbeards up from over a quarter of a mile away with that tube call. They come up to a fence and they wouldn't come through the fence. Then I went to squealing to them and they actually found a hole and I come in and killed one of them with a bow. So the squealing oh, nice. deal closed deal, but back Real squeal, they'll pit and squeal. It's like I'll do it with a diaphragm. And, and, and again, it, it, it's prior to the, the the mating squeal of the squealing hen. And, and hens will squeal like that. There you go. And it's aggressive sound too. You know, you got the in and out, the you know, in and out sound too. That's aggressive sound in fighting sense, but this is a breeding sense that I think that's just my opinion, whether I'm right or wrong. But I can tell you right now, it's helped me close a lot of deals on, on this gobbler. That's what brought that gobbler, made that gobbler break. It had the 13 hens, and I shot the turkey and it dinged him. Uh, and he took to the air, I'll never forget it, flew and landed in the swamp. Mm. Pat Reeves waited out and got my gobbler for me because he had her mounted for me, had him mounted for me. And I'll never forget, I was filming Pat while he waited out in the water to get him. And I said, alligator. <laughs> he went to run and it was fun. You know, but that's my first time and first experience. But I can think of many, many more. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't change nothing about my life. And if God's to take me home tomorrow, man, I cherish all these memories and friendships I've made through turkey hunting and the NWTF, man. Yeah, what what uh, what an experience it's been for you, man. Uh, and and those woods, those turkey woods, it's a special place, and it's the people that running my own podcast is I get to ask selfish questions and I'm going to ask a selfish question from a place of wanting to learn. Uh, you're talking about calling the hens and, and you want to call to the right hen. So what, what are you looking for in that, in that scenario? Because that's a, that's, that is literally the, I think it's the hardest thing to do in the Turkey woods is calling the hens. Well, again, it, it, it's, it's more than calling it's talking to them. And yeah. it, and I read their body language too, the way they act. If I present a call and they content, they never raise their head. If they never raise their head and they continue to feed away from me, that, that, that gives me a sign, man, that's going to be tough when it's, it's going to be tough. But if I can call to them and they throw their heads up and look towards me, uh, I, I've made contact. Okay. Uh, whether it's a soft yelp or just soft clucks uh, to get their attention. Uh, then I watch their body language as I'm calling. If they call back, that's not guaranteed they're going to come to you every time because the hen answers, I promise you. So so what you do, if you can trigger one of the hens, say you're calling to a group of hens with a long beard, and you get one of the hens fired up, especially the mama hen, the dominant hen, if you can get her to strike and fight back. And, and how you do that, again, is how you present the calls and, and not calling monotone. Learn to call with emotion. And uh, a lot of your callers are learning that. And because uh, a hen turkey don't go out there and go, ow, ow, ow. you know, they'll, you know, pleading emotion, the pleading sounds. And it's like me talking to you right now. If I didn't use expression, 
I, I'm not getting my point across to you. If I'm talking with emotion of it, I'm not overdoing it. I've got your attention. You're liking what you hear. That's the same thing in calling to a turkey. You got to present to them what they want to hear. And you test it with uh, calling low at first, uh, submissive, and try to build it to you trigger them by reading their body language or listening for them. Uh, one of the first calls you, you, you make to a hand up gobbler, to me, is not a yelp. Uh, just soft pits or, or clucks, just to, you know, real soft and easy. Just, and all of a sudden, if you hear them pick it up with the momentum, like, they're showing that you've made contact, they like what they heard. Because she's speaking a little more aggressive than you. It's kind of like uh, on your first date. Uh, if you know you're going to get a kiss from your girlfriend, say, hey, would you like to go down to the Dairy Queen? If she answers yes, well, yes, I would. You know, <laughs> yeah, let's go now. So that's kind of like that double cluck, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, or double putt, you know, or pit. Yeah. Oh, so that's... it's all thing. And striking that conversation. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah. One of the, one of the phrases that you've used quite a bit and, and it's, it's uh, I, I feel like it's a dying word for, for a lot of modern Turkey hunters. And when I say modern, I mean, guys, my age and, and under I'm 40 and that's woodsmanship. And like I, I talked about earlier, you and Ray, I are embedded in my, uh, my turkey heritage, my turkey hunting roots, and and you both talk about it a lot, and it's just it's something that that, and and I don't want you to be offended. The, the old school turkey hunters talk about is woodsmanship, and just loosely define what that is. Okay, truth to the truth, you, you, you're not offending me. I am getting old. I'm 58, and and I want to commend Ray I. I'm where I'm at today because Ray I uh, took a chance in believing in this hillbilly boy when I was like. 17 18 years old to take me under his wing as a big gobbler to teach me about competition calling to take me to a different level him and his brother marty i and uh, i made calls for ray i lived with ray for months and, and and traveled with him for years he was my mentor and ben lee was also a mentor i knew oh, wow. ben talked to ben but i live with ray i know yeah. Ray. it'll be in my books some of the things Ray and I had done, but back in the day, I, I'm not going to get off on that tangent, but it was wild times <laughs> before I started going to church stuff, but uh, we drank lots of beer. Let's just say that. Sure. No, that's, that's good stuff. So, so define, define woodsmanship to you. Yeah. Again, uh, I learned some of my woodsmanship and calling uh, more of my woodsmanship from my brothers than I did Ray. I learned uh, the calling abilities to learn to call with emotion and to talk to a turkey instead of just calling to a turkey. Uh, woodsmanship is understanding uh, turkey's behavior, uh, where they want to be and why they want to be there, uh, why a turkey gobbles. Turkeys don't gobble just for one reason. Hey, uh, they'll shot gobble. They'll gobble to attract hens. They'll gobble another gobbler because of dominance. Uh, that's three things that I keep in mind. That's three reasons why they gobble. Uh, shot gobble, uh, try to attract a hen, or a dominance gobble to another turkey. You can tell a lot about a turkey, and I don't mean to get off on calling by the way he gobbles. If you got a turkey that gobbles like this, he's either a younger turkey or he's not uh, committing himself to saying, hey, I really like the, the hen calling I hear it. If you got a gobbler gobbles like this, he rolls it out. He's pleading. It's like me saying, oh, man. So it's understanding their vocalization. And this, again, this is my opinion. And that tells me a lot of times if I hear several turkeys, which turkey I want to go hunt. And usually uh, uh, a lot of your older, heavier turkeys, uh, they'll gobble like this. They'll go <laughs> deeper at the end. And uh, depending on where you're at, depending on the states, hunting Easterns, Maryland, whatever, but your Easterns sound mainly like Osceola's. Uh, but 
that's woodsmanship, understanding the type of turkey hunt by the way he gobbles and the way he's acting. So woodsmanship is, uh, uh, for example, uh, cold mornings. Uh, turkeys are gobbling, but where do they want to be? If it's a cold morning, you're hunting mountains, you're hunting hills. Uh, think about it. Where does the sun come up at? It comes up on the east side and it works yeah. right, right around the south. So they're going to travel with that sun to keep them warm if it's a cold morning. If it's a hot day, now think about where they're roosted, where they want to go off the roost. They want to go somewhere where they're in the shade, where it's more comfortable. You know, uh, they don't like heat, just like you and I don't like too much heat or too much cold. So think about where they're going to go, uh, depending on the, the, the weather and type of weather you're hunting them in. Uh, uh, I can talk many things. Uh, reading sign, uh, understanding the way turkeys travel. Uh reading sign uh tracks uh, droppings we all know that and some people may not you know a gobbler's j-shaped hen's popcorn kernel looking a gobbler track is usually a lot larger than a hen track uh depending on the species you're hunting i've seen some huge merriam's hens that's really big uh but most of your eastern turkeys that's what i grew up hunting um understanding the foods that they like uh, you know, here in the Ozarks, their, their dominant food is acorns, you know, through the winter months and the spring months. And as the weather gets warmer, they go to legumes and a greenery, grass, clovers, insects, understanding all that stuff. That's woodsmanship. And, uh, you know, I've always taught, said this, and I was taught this, uh, you'll never kill a gobbler if it's drizzling rain, if you're sitting on the couch understanding what turkeys like to do uh, in the rain. Now, not all turkeys do it, but a majority from my experience do it. They like, to, if it's drizzling rain or raining, uh, not too hard, but somewhat, they like to go into an open area where they can see. They depend on their eyes. They can't, can't hear as good because of the rain, the thunder, or whatever. They depend on them eyes to keep them alive. So they go to a lot of open areas during that time. Uh, but there's many things we can talk on woodsmanship in, in different aspects. So that's some of the yeah. things I, I think I, some people to learn. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll save the woodsman episode for when you and I are sitting together uh, here in Ohio, hunting some turkeys. After that's we both, right. uh, or you come, hey, you're coming to Missouri with me too sometime. There you go. Yeah. I'll, I'll, oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, we we teased this in the beginning of this of this talk, Alex. Walk me through that 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 Ozark morning hunt, man. That the, those ones that you cherish home. Walk me through that 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 hunt you grew up with. All right, this is the uh, rendition that I used to win the Grand National Gobbling Championships, and uh, at the time, I believe, yeah. Ray was a coach and we talked about, I said, Ray, I want to do a spring morning. What I hear in the Ozarks as a kid growing up and, and what uh, uh, most people were here in the South and the judges, a lot of the judges was from the South. And I'll never forget Roland Martin was the MC when I won it, but it sounds something like this. And what I did is set a presence and there was like, I don't know, 30, 40, some contestants. So I started out like this. Log truck. I was using my, I could call a lot better back then than, than the fly down. Oh, yeah. 
flop. Oh man. That's, that's great. And, and that's the, that you, you paint the picture, you know, during that, yeah. I'm sure people were just, just captivated. Oh. Uh, man, that's, I like the log you truck want, throwing that in. You, you're going to love this the log truck. And I even done a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, what was really cool about this deal when that it was, I got done calling that's back when I drank and partied and, wild and crazy and run with ray and i just went back to the kegs and went to drinking beer because yeah. i was a nervous wreck oh man and everybody's like oh, i'm good you done good man you done good man you do you're good i i'm just chugging beer yeah and they're naming off the fifth place fourth place third place second place you're gonna love this and our grand national calling champion i'll never forget i'm saying it roland martin from Birch Tree, Missouri. And I'm looking out, I thought, who else called here from Birch Tree, Missouri? I didn't see none of my buddies here. Took me another drink of beer. It's me. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What a story. What a what a story. Alex, I I've I've enjoyed every minute of this. Uh, you know, I like I said, I, I hope we get to do it again. And um I, oh, you know, I was yeah, I was I was very very grateful to be on 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 your show with you and and, and Redbone American Roots Outdoors. Uh, so so talk about talk about that program. Okay, American Roots Outdoors is a radio slash podcast show. We air my radio talk show on eight AM FM radio stations across Southern Missouri, Northern Arkansas, parts of Southern Illinois, Western Kentucky, Western Tennessee. We have a potential reach of two to three million listeners every weekend just on the radio show. Then the podcast airs in 19 countries uh, and the, the highest ranking we've ever ranked on Apple in America is 23rd. Uh, we've been number one in Mexico, Africa, and some other countries in the outdoor category, same category you're in. Mm -hmm. And just truly blessed to do what we do here. And my whole goal of everything I do is one is to uh, try to be a good steward and, and pass on what I've known, uh, what I know and what I've been taught, because that's what my dad and my brother's done to me and people like Ray I and good friends that I've learned things from that I turkey hunted with and uh uh when you reach 58 years old and and you've been blessed like I have to travel the country and work for a great company like Hunter Specialties for 25 years and I'll never forget the day I left them it just broke my heart but it was time for me to stay home and take care of my 14 year old daughter and spend more time with her and uh I'll never forget it but if I die tomorrow this is no joke there will be an HS logo somewhere on my body if I'm in that coffin because uh, the, they helped me get well-known, this old hillbilly country boy, and to be able to do what I do now. I'm making a living doing what I want and, and what my passion is, and that's talking turkey and deer hunting and, and fishing, and uh, I'm very honored. And NWTF helped me, you know, win the Grand National Goblin Championships and NWTF calling me and booking me to speak at events and stuff. And I just share my, my love of what I love to do. I'm no different than anybody else. I put my shoes on the same way anybody else does. I just love to turkey hunt and share with others. And I think that's what we all do. And, and I'm going to say this in closing, I'm done. You know, when we go to our grave, when we die, and when you're sitting in that coffin, laying in that coffin, when people walk by you, Paul, they're going to say two things. It's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. It's all about leaving a legacy for your kids and your family that you leave behind. Yeah, man, good stuff. Think about that. Yeah, good statement. Alex, where can people find you on social media if you want to give that out? Follow me. Uh, go to my website www.americanrootsoutdoors.com you can follow me on instagram at alex underscore rutledge 64 uh twitter uh alex rutledge alex underscore rutledge 64 uh instagram uh same thing uh american roots outdoors twitter 
again, thank you so much, Paul, for asking me to be a part of your show. And thank you for what you do for NWTF and for the Wild Turkey. And uh, uh, I look forward to doing more stuff with you. I appreciate our friendship. Yeah, thank uh, you. You're a good I, dude. I, I, I did too.